0: This podcast is a Royfield Brown production. Find others on iTunes.
1: All right. Yeah, I know. No.
2: This episode of Dumpty Dum is sponsored by Easy Fry Oven Chips for those days when cows are more important. Oh, no. <laughs>
3: up you two and Millie it's at King Bad Carrier off Twitter here I think that's about as good as it's going to get for me and the mandolin this instrument is far too hard and I'm just going to keep it as a piece of art I think bye
2: well it's a good job this is going to be a short one yeah Mm. Mm
4: -hmm.
2: all right well let's just start because um, because then it then it'll have started yeah
5: (laughs) Oh, it's going to be a good one, I can tell.
1: <laughs>
2: <sighs> this is Dumbly Dumb, the show about the reality jockey drama that centred on Ambridge in the heart of the Midlands. I am the head sparrow, that is Royfield Brown, and with me I've done massive tit that is...
5: Lucy Freeman.
2: But you do know that <laughs> yeah. me saying that, right, people <laughs> are going to think it's more misogynistic goings no, on. No,
5: I wrote that, I wrote that bit. Everybody, it's not me, being misogynistic about myself not right. Royfield
2: Good, right, I'm glad we got that cleared up <laughs> Right, now the nope. most important part of our bird watching is you folks Today's rendition of Barrett Green was brought to you by the Yorkshire agent, that is King Bag Carrier on his 1943 mandolin
4: Oh!
2: I hmm. thought we'd like do that one again because yes. he went to so much effort last week didn't yeah.
5: he? Did you hear the person who said that their iPlayer kept conking out when they were trying to listen? So they said. iPlayer? Well, well, no, whatever it is. They they were listening to something, listening to it back again, Dumpty Dumpty. And um, their phone kept freezing. So they heard the entire mandolin thing over the course of 45 minutes, like two notes, and then it would stop for five minutes and have a break. (laughs) And she said, I think it was like a modern art installation. It's a sound installation of king bag carry on his mandolin yeah carry on
2: oh all right cool I'll, i will all right now lucy mm-hmm. if somebody would like to be top of the shop start the show and like not necessarily start it by playing a mandolin but if somebody would just like to hum or sing or drum on a table to the sounds of Barrett Green. How can they do that? Uh
5: if you would like to sing us a Dumpty Dum, or even tell us who you'd like to bang a crisp packet at, please get in touch via speakpipe on the site or ring 02030313105. Uh thanks to Harriet, uh at Shambridge for her amazing voices. And also to Derek Felone, the back bedroom. Derek is in a foul mood as he was appointed the sole representative of UKIP in Borsace, had a row with himself, resigned, persuaded himself to come back, and has now told himself he needs a two week break to take stock.
2: <laughs> hey, funny goings on in UKIP, eh?
5: Oh, it's hilarious. They could start a fight in an empty room, couldn't they? They've got. Was it they've now divided the party and they've only got one MP? <laughs> How do you do that?
2: <laughs> I know that. That dog. Douglas Carswell I actually have a sneaking kind of like regard for him considering yeah really? you know, I do I do cuz I I've, I've got a certain amount of time for true mavericks and um you know and he's definitely one of those definitely one of those you know he's politics is kind he's kind of libertarian which i kind of have a little bit of an issue with but it's a bit of a maverick i have a sneaking kind of regard for somebody that says you know what i could have a whole load of researchers a whole load of cash don't want them I've got a certain amount of regard for that. I just want to just do my own thing. Yeah, I'm going to be the Regardless only. Regardless of
5: how bonkers that is and how, how few well, people are with me, don't care. Do you?
2: But do you remember his speech when he actually won the by-election? No, nope. he was in. No, listen, it was it was a shocker in that he was very moderate and he said we need to be inclusive and he said a whole load of things are totally counterintuitive of uh, you know a typical UKIP person it must have set alarm bells ringing in the UKIP headquarters and who the hell yeah. have they just elected to be MP no it was um, incredibly intuitive but you know what Lucy
6: what sorry it's I'm gonna wrong. have to
5: take painkillers while Ooh. you're talking Keep, oh, going. Gosh, Keep Drama, going. drama. Yes. Whilst we record, not Dumpty a lot Dump. of painkillers. Not a. It's not a suicide attempt. I'm just trying to stop my stomach from hurting.
6: Well,
2: we've we've got um, right wing politics. We've got uh, drug taking. It's all on Dumpty Dumpty. What a show we have for you at six
5: o'clock in the sodding morning.
2: And as well as talk of UKIP and taking drugs, we have calls from Jan from Cam, who can tell who's who. Yokelbear. Who knows all about culverts? So right, embrace yourself for that, folks. <laughs> and Andrew Horn, he's back. He wants a word with Kenton. And sneaking in, we have Jeremy Peak, who gets jiggy about puddings.
5: The emergency pudding. Yes. Fred on Twitter. Mm-hmm. I. W- it was brilliant. Thank you so much. It was you well, started it with your mouth trifle, wasn't it?
2: Well, listen, I didn't start mouth trifle.
5: Was that? It was. Mm. Uh, oh, but, I've forgotten her uh, name. You know, yeah, I'm going to have to Bentos. go
2: and find it. Was it Miss yes.
5: Bentos? Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: But she has a proper name. Let me just find her proper name on, on, on the Book of Face. Um...
5: Yeah, that was good. And yes. well, it, a lot of it seems to be biscuits with some sort of dairy product and then something <laughs> brightly coloured and sweet on top. Mm-hmm. So we had, uh, from Sarah Johnson, we had... Uh, digestive biscuits with butter, buttered digestive biscuits with currants on the top. Um, we had uh, Philadelphia and jam on top of a biscuit, which is basically cheesecake. They said. Mm-hmm. Um, lots of people having Yorkshire pudding with syrup, but I remember that being in James Eriett, really? Derby Dar- three eight five. Well, yes, and then no, somebody then
2: somebody did say that uh, their grandma used to take the dumplings out of the stew wash them off and then put a bit of sugar on them yep (laughs) 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 but have you actually listened to millie bell's call no all right because i think she's talking about this so we might need to to, to curtail this but um just to just in case uh, she doesn't quite do this um the person who uh who brought to our attention the wonderful culinary delight that is Mouth Trifle was Catherine Bajent on on The Book of Face.
5: Ah, mm. thank you very much. Very she said it's
2: a student special. Ah. Student well, special.
5: My mum wishes it to be known that it is not called a jam puff omelette. It is called a jam puff souffle omelette and um, somebody uh, who was it? Uh, was it John Jeffries? Somebody in... America tried it and sent me a picture of them.
2: Jeremiah Smith.
5: Jeremiah Smith. That's the very chap. Um,
2: with, his, with his handsome boy.
5: Yeah. Eating jam puff omelet. The boy looked a little perturbed, I have to say. I don't think he was convinced. His
2: smile looked a little bit more forced than yes. his father's his father yes. has a natural one like but i've he, actually really enjoyed this but, he, but he i noticed like neither going, of them i, had... I <laughs> really should pretending that i'm liking this I, i've
5: noticed that neither of them had tried it it both it looked very intact <laughs> when i saw them but he did tweet me and say it was very nice a little boy so thank you for mm. that yes fab mm. all right now that's um... enough about puddings in my present state I don't wish to hear much about puddings, to be honest.
2: Really? Mm. Okay, you, you tum tum's all a bit bit yep. delicate, is it? Alright uh, The well, world what, has then.
5: fallen out of my bottom, Royfield.
2: <laughs> oh Lord. <laughs> <laughs>
5: <laughs> yeah, exactly.
2: <laughs> mm. Well, I tell you what then, right? Whilst you whilst you um <laughs> Mop up, yeah. <laughs> I was trying to find a delicate way of putting it, (laughs) but you you found it for me. You found it for me. Um, Why don't you tell us about the last seven days in Ambridge?
5: Okay. This week was the sort of week that you really hope people who were considering listening to The Archers didn't, in fact, listen. The cliffhangers included a burst crisp packet, a new telescope and the sinister case of the missing bunting. There was an uncomfortable Sunday lunch of Akebourne-like proportions with Dr Dick and confused Alistair. Alistair and Dr Dick had a lovely chat about places they hadn't been to in Dorset, but Alistair suddenly remembered that he had been to Wareham. Home of the old joke, is this the way to Wareham? No, you've got them on back to front. Rob told Ed that Helen was donating a spectacular wheel of cheese to the wedding buffet. An exciting array of cheese. Not just Borchester Blue, you know. Oh no, Borchester Blue, some Cathedral City and the Dairy Lee Triangle. Joe commented bewilderingly that Shula smelled all right when she opened the kitchen door. He didn't specify of what? Hoof oil, maybe? Or <laughs> Slap My Rump by Lagerfeld. Uh, Jimus considered calling his ornithology team after team of man eating birds, but then realised the WI had already bagged that. Linda seems to be more concerned about where she's going to have a WAS than what birds she's going to see. And bewilderingly, William Grundy seems to have quite enjoyed it, which is astonishing, as he never enjoys anything. There is no Fafale in the shop. Further bulletins. No. It was, it was, it
2: was, sorry? Who?
5: There, a fafale.
2: Uh, Forfalle Yes uh, Okay,
5: okay. Yeah, There uh, is no Fafale in the shop Further bulletins mm-hmm. As events warrant on that We'll keep you updated And check Twitter uh, Ed and Toby the Sheepdog Were horrified That the estate A business Was behaving like A business And trying to get as much money As possible for The business Honestly Ed decided to take it up With Charlie <laughs> Ed's suicidal impulse is so strong I'm amazed he's made it to this age. A further example of this was his decision to buckle to his family's emotional blackmail and ask William to be his best man. The whole thing went as well as could be expected, i.e. not at all well, and they were reduced to throwing lumps of mud at each other like the Neanderthals they are within a second and a half. Bert has been very busy in Carol Toboggan's garden to take his mind off the fact that Frieda's fried. He arrives first thing every morning, plants carrots and then pees up her wigwam. (laughs) According to Piggy, Lillian is snowed under with work. Snowed under. I'm surprised as she's not been in the office for a month and a half. What with cosmetic surgery, sitting in bars on her tod, climbing in the wine fridge at home farm. But she managed to cheer herself up with a good tonging by Febreze of Felpersham. Over at the ball. Barry burst a crisp packet And David rang on the landline The landline Fancy The
2: empty crisp
5: (laughs) packet Kept us going for three bloody episodes Tony watched his new bull Hannibal Lecter Psycho III Being unloaded Cooper Yes, Cooper And said he wasn't able to help but was happy to watch the sausage king and Johnny unloading it in the vain hope that they would get trampled to death and Piggy would give her a shake and start all over again. But that was nothing compared to the devastation felt by Jazza at discovering that all the donuts had gone and Helen was bringing over her three lentil bake and a side salad. <laughs> she knows how to live. Over at carry on bird watching. Jim had his binoculars trained on Linda's tits in the Dower House Garden. Linda announced that Robert's was simply enormous, but he said it was only as big as it needed to be, but Linda was still concerned it was going to wobble all over the place. However, he is going to prop it up on a tripod, the big show-off. This is not just me being filthy-minded, by the way. Robert then went on to actually explain how his titanium barrel components were going to boost his flagging masculinity in a deeply moving, if baffling, speech about losing his confidence in being able to tell one flappy thing from another. But men are weird, and Linda was supportive, so it'll all be fine. The end.
2: I love that. I was walking along Winchester Avenue when I I heard that, because I listened to it on the podcasty thingy. And I love the way that like he just like bristled with indignation yeah. about Jim's kind of like insults and in his yeah. bars had thrown at him, and that the reason why he had to go and spend all that money and then Linda was like, "It's just too much money, and he was just like, "I do need to do it because I'm a man, and yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm on a twitcher and then Linda was like, no, 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 no it was too much money. and then Linda just, like came around and I yeah. thought, yes, and then she and she says, "I understand, yeah. and we're going to do it and oh, I, I thought that was just comedy gold i loved every second of that it was but you yeah but you are right right if you just like said hmm i want gonna give this archers the world. <laughs> <You'd> go, <"What? laughs> that, that, that seems like that definitely yeah. are an acquired taste and
5: millions of people listen to this really okay I,
2: I know and i i fully appreciate the dilemma that the script writers are probably in do you know what I mean it's case yeah. of there's, there's, me, there's people like me going oh just give us loads of that Yeah, yeah like yeah, talking yeah. about stuff which is fundamentally kind but of but that's meaningless. because we
5: understand what it is cosmic to us because we understand the meaning behind it we understand mm. that that exchange about the bird watching tells us completely about Robert and Linda's marriage which is mm. great and one of the strongest marriages if not the strongest in Ambridge mm. it tells us about the class war that goes on in ambridge between you know the the uh, intellectuals the not the retired wealthy the people that still have to work you know mm. it it just says such a lot and all it is 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 bird watching except it's not just bird watching
2: no it's also uh, 50 millimeter wa- uh, zoomy woomie titanium skid plate lenses as well. <laughs> uh, you know, it's not often, right, that scenes have such an impact on me that I can remember where I was. You know, yeah. you remember where you were when John Archer died. I don't remember that, but I remember where I was when I heard Robert Snell. You know, heard his <laughs> indignation. <laughs> And it's funny. The first time when I heard the uh, the bird, you know, when they went twitching, mm. back in February, I was walking along Valencia Street, sun on my back in San Francisco. I remember I was crossing over a road. I nearly looked the wrong way, being all being all British. Nearly got run yeah. over. <laughs> so the archers nearly got me killed, right? And then <laughs> Not I remember the where. time. <laughs> um, exactly. And then I remember where I was uh, last week as well. So anyway. Anyway, I, I I loved it, loved it, loved it, loved it, and you know what? Me and birds, eh? You know the feather yeah. variety. Anyway, I was a little kid, you know, like wildlife programs come on, and you like the lions and it's like elephants. Oh yeah, great. As soon as the little the birds came on, I was like, Dad, switch that off. Let's go do something <laughs> else. I just like oh, yeah. but yeah. Scenes about twitching, fantastic. Actually twitching, nah, not so much. No like that.
5: I think you know we're going to get we're going to get letters because it's right. called birding. Really, twitching is when you see a rare bird and people mm. come from all over the country to go and see it. Uh, you know that when 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 lunatics turn up at four o'clock in the morning and they've driven from Hull or something and they. So they, there's been a,
2: you see, trying to tell me there's been some kind of schism in in the birding. No no work. no,
5: it's just the people that do it every day and monitor. Um, you know migration patterns and ring birds and all that kind of thing they're called birders
3: hmm
5: yes not twitchers but you know there always is with this sort of stuff isn't there you know people like you said there's always schisms and there's always people going oh I'm not this I'm that and now it's like when you call comics graphic novels and all that oh don't start sorry I shouldn't have said that what
2: no um Me and uh, Mr. Mabbot on on, on the Twitter yesterday were talking about the Vision, because he's he's in the the Avengers movie, and I must admit, I never thought I'd come to see the day myself, because the Vision is a proper B-list Marvel superhero character, but uh, but Paul Beckney plays him, and plays him rather well, actually. Mm. Um, in, 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 the, in the movie, and uh, we had a little bit of a backwards and forwards about uh, the merits of the vision, and he's proper tortured, you know. Is he? He's got a pure heart, pure heart, and so he's an android. I think I said this a few, a few. Sounds few like you, ago. apart
5: from the android bit, unless you are an android and I haven't realised.
2: What well, pure of heart?
5: Yes, but Am tortured, I tortured,
2: a tortured, tortured soul. Well, he's tortured about his lack of humanity you've got too much i am right i am all heart aren't i you are mm. anyway <laughs> why don't we uh because we you know we're gonna have to fill manfully sorry oh god that was sexist personfully right in this show we're gonna get get it anywhere near the hour mark because how many calls we got lucy
5: four we've mm. got some emails
2: Oh, fantastic. It doesn't right, need then. to be
5: an hour, does it? We can no. let people have a rest. Great. Listen, the really? shorter the better better. Well yeah, as well, there we concerned. go then. We don't need to. Less fill.
2: editing time. Apps, that's it. People don't call in.
5: Yeah. <laughs> no one ring. <laughs> no, let's not, or, let's not start that. Or at least that.
2: ration your calls no. in, please. <laughs> <laughs> All
3: right,
2: then. Let's hit those phone lines. Hello, Ambridge
7: 3962.
4: Hello, Royfield and Lucy, and hello to all the Dumpty Dum listeners out there. It's Jan from Can Calling. I'm Mitch Muse on the Twitters. It's been a while since I called in, uh, but I've just listened to the newest, wonderful installment of Dumpty Dum, and I feel that I actually have something to contribute. I, like Mary Not Contrary, do not have... A problem distinguishing most of the voices on the archers and I'm sure it must be due to the fact that I'm a musician and my area of specialty is the voice I will agree with Lucy that the Fair Brothers Brothers Fair Brother Brothers I love that are difficult to tell apart but I'm wondering if they were casted to sound related I know it's not particularly helpful on the radio but we've all had the experience of calling a friend and her sister answers and we think it's her or him so I do wonder if the casting people uh, at the archers made that choice on purpose and they may have even done it with a little bit of tongue-in-cheek anyway it's going to prove interesting to see how the Fair Brother Brothers get along. I must confess though that I would prefer more male voices on the Archers with more character and more of a regional interest. I really love the many accents that were the Archers when I first started to listen. I think I've been listening now maybe three years. And uh, the reason that I kept on listening to the archers was because of the fabulous accents and the character in the many voices. But I must admit, it's starting to get a little bit drab with the new actors. No, no offense to the new actors, but we need a bit of color. Okay, that's all I have to say, except, Royfield, I'm working on the cake. Bye.
5: Jan from Can, who says, because she's a musician, she finds that she finds it easy to tell uh, the voices apart, but she's missing mm. the colour of the voices. She said when she started listening three years ago, she really enjoyed the different English accents and the different um, the tones and, you know, the character that was evident through voice. And she mm. is feeling that we are lacking this. And I think that you are right on many levels, Jan from Cannes. Mm. Um, she said, uh, were they, were the Fairbrother brothers cast to sound similar because they are brothers? So obviously you couldn't have one from, you know, Tynemouth and one from Devon. But um, I know what you mean. Uh, but she said she'd, she'd prefer the male voices to have more character. And I agree. Mm. Yes. Mm. I mean, it can get well, a bit... This,
2: this is your bag, isn't it? August? Yes. You, you really like to, like, spiel on about it. Yes. Mm. But I'm not going to... gush forth.
5: Yes, I've been doing quite too much of that. Thank you very much. <laughs> there will be no more gushing. Um, yes. So I don't know whether it's... It's interesting that the two people have said they could they find it really easy to distinguish the voices are, are are living overseas. Either I don't think Mary in Toronto is Canadian. I think she's
2: just... No, she's a proper Brit.
5: Yeah. But I think maybe your ear gets more tuned in to the English accent when you're not hearing it all the time. Possibly.
2: That could well be the key that unlocks the mystery to this.
5: I don't think it's a mystery. I think it's just a thing.
2: Is but it anyway, just a thing?
5: It's just a thing, yeah. Mm. Right, shall we move but on? But you've to... solved. Yes, hurrah! Right, excellent. And now the Middle East.
3: Hello Dumpty Dum, Jacques Albert here calling from that nameless place in Wiltshire that I'm not allowed to mention anymore. Swindon. I'm calling this week um, to show that there really is a yokel in yokel bear, because I kind of got a bit of a rural background, so I kind I know culverts. So I thought I'd phone in and bore everyone with an uh, an overview of culverts. Okay, there's two types of culvert. The first one is a cross stream culvert, and basically, this is where if you're building something like a road and you come across a very small stream or brook or something like that. It's not worth building a big bridge over it, so what you do is just put a big bloody pipe in under the road, um, exactly where the, the stream flows. So basically, the stream kind of goes temporarily underground under the um the road and emerges the other side. And that's as simple as that. Instead of the road going being elevated in the form of a bridge. The road stays the same level and you just make the stream go under the road. So that's the first one. Second one is a runoff management culvert. And this is basically to get water to go away from the road if there's big, you know, big rainfall and stuff like that, like Ambridge, Ambridgeageddon we had recently. Um, So, for instance, where my folks live is in a village on a very, it's on a very, fairly high hill. And there's another village at the bottom of the hill, um, which we don't talk about because, you know, they're the people from the bottom of the hill. When it rains a lot, all the rain runs down the hill. And without culverts, in other words, channels and kind of tunnels and pipes that, that divert the water away from the road, what happens is you just get flooding. So the road will just fill up with water. And then eventually it would, you know, reach the houses, which is exactly what happened in Ambridge. So if you were going to block a culvert, there's depends on what kind of culvert that you're looking at, basically, but I'm guessing they're talking about um, a runoff management one in Ambridge. Whoever blocked it is either trying to flood the area where the water has come from, or it's trying to get the water to go down different culverts to end up in different places. Now, my geography of Ambridge and Borsetshire is rubbish. So I've got no idea where the water was flowing. So I don't know, maybe Rob did it, who cares? I don't know. Um probably. You know, I don't know, he's evil enough, isn't he? Um, you know, and I think he's probably stuffed it with Helen's self-esteem, but there you go. So that's it, an overview of culverts. Um really I'm showing that I'm putting the Yokel and Yokel Bear. Next week I might phone in and oh no, I won't I won't tell you about crop rotations and all that kind of stuff. You can get that from the archers. Okay, talk to you later. Bye. Uh
5: Yokel Bear. Who knows culverts.
3: He knows culverts.
5: He says there are two types of culvert. I'm not going to do his entire call because you've just heard it. Um, But for those of you that didn't listen, there is the lesser spotted culvert and the woolly culvert. Um, Yes. But he says he needs someone to explain. Mm. Well, sort of. He says you would block a culvert to make the water go somewhere else Um, Mm. which I still stand by my thing that Rob blocked it on purpose to make sure that the cubicles didn't fill up and that the water is going to go so the water went down the hill rather than being diverted around Barrow Farm and yes and he did it all so kill him but I Mm. need to make a plot prediction can I make a plot prediction?
2: Your podcast, Do What You Want.
5: It's our podcast and you, You're ne- the you, talent. you never do plot You're predictions. You're the talent. Oh, shut your face. You never I... do plot predictions, do you?
2: Well, I do in that when I do them, right, mm. I know what I'm talking about. I get, I get my ball out and I, and I rub it proper, right? Because <laughs> didn't I say Rob was not the father of that child?
5: Yes, you did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I tend and, to do more random scattergun ones, don't yeah, I? Yeah,
2: you just, like, make stuff up and you get, get all a bit silly. <laughs> Call <Right>. it a
1: prediction.
2: <laughs> I just sit down quite sagely, listen to the drama unfold, right, and actually read in between the lines where the writers are going with it. Right. That's what I do.
5: All right, what do you reckon to this? <clears throat> I haven't written this down. This is unformed thought, so bear oh, with...
2: that's a first for you, Lucy. I know. <laughs>
5: Shut up. <laughs> um uh right i think that i can't talk about too much detail because of people oh come that on haven't... stop the preamble no 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 people bit. people that haven't listened to sundays i don't want to give it all away uh, well can i but... just say what
2: and i don't often say this but there was a little bit of some hammy acting and some hammy writing was there yesterday oh yes which bits the two agents are about to. You oh, know, oh, yeah, yeah, come yeah. Come on, the deep yeah. throat action.
5: <laughs> Steady, there was none of that.
2: <laughs>
5: that was on ambush.
2: Who wants to meet in a cafe? <laughs>
5: <laughs> what is a cafe, David? I don't know. It's one of those town things.
2: Oh. Yes,
5: yes, that was a bit after I admit. Mm. But anyway, I think that, right, here we go it is going to be uncovered that Rob uh, buggered up the culverts on purpose somehow Ed is going to be involved
4: Uh.
5: and Rob is going to physically threaten Uh, Ed's going to be called to give evidence David will take it to court or will take it to the um, environmental agency or something Ed will finish up having to give evidence to say what he found when he cleared the culverts he is going to be put in an awful position. Rob is going to come round and physically threaten him and the person that rescues him will be Will.
2: I like all of that. Apart and that from... is
5: going to be the rapprochement, the rapprochement, as Linda would say, um, which uh, makes the brothers happy again mm. and makes all jolly in the grundy world of Christmas. Yes. That's what's going to happen. Oh,
2: Miss Grundy World of Christmas.
5: I know. They'll do it again this year. When things are desperate and they've got much too much else to think about, that's when they have stupid ideas like, oh, ferret butter. That was good. (laughs) (laughs) That was another thing that you imagine people listening to and going, what what are they doing? (laughs) They're putting (laughs) butter on a ferret. Okay. (laughs) Anyway, so what Hmm. do you reckon?
2: Um, I like that, but I think it won't even get to um you said um that ed will get threatened mm. after he has to go to court I no think before
5: be... before as in he rob will try and say to him don't testify against
2: him mm. yes it'll happen before but i think if you rewind the tape back miss freeman you actually mm. said after did when i do, oh sorry yeah, i did mean before did you... sorry. Sorry, mm. sorry sorry okay good yeah, no, no, I think you're right. Cause it's been set up, isn't it? That yeah. uh, Rob's given him, you know, a yeah. bit a bit of a threat, hasn't yeah. he? You know, oh, you got to keep your mouth shut. You know, what goes on on the estate yeah. stays on the estate type of thing. And he's like, what, what? So you
5: know, now Rob is trying to keep a lid on Ed, mm. Helen, Shuler. Mm. Mm. Uh, Jess. Jess, all mm. the people at the, who work at Barrow Farm. Who's been, he's mm. been encouraging to, you know, block up things and not do things properly. Who else? Well, God knows who else. But they're the ones we know about, for crying out loud. It's just not sustainable. It's all going to start crumbling from now on. And it, Yes. Well, you, a you sent out, out that soon.
2: spectacular tweet, didn't you?
5: Did I? Yes, I did. Yes, yeah, yes you yes, did. Yes.
2: That,
6: that got retweeted and all sorts.
5: Yeah.
2: Next call, Lucy.
5: Next call is...
6: Hi there, Andrew Horn here with two points. Stop. Kenton, just stop. It is enough. It isn't mainly Dave's fault, it is mainly your fault. Grow up, grow a pair, and let's have no more of this whinging. On a much happier note, I laughed out loud and I want Royfield to give a big clap to the script writers for the wonderful scene. With Robert and Linda.
1: Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much, but when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra.
6: it was great. They are a really supportive, wonderfully rounded couple. I know part of his role is to um, keep back some of her excesses and uh, keep her on the straight and narrow and keep her buoyed up and reined in and and um, and, and he's very much a supporting um, rock for her. But occasionally, when he needs it, she's there for him and the whole thing with the lens and the way way he actually just fessed up and said you know I didn't ask you because I I was worried you'd say no Um, and then his sort of eve of Agincourt speech and winning her over it was just wonderful and it made a rainy M1 a much better place so that was fabulous that's it for me um, I probably won't call in next week because I'm off, but um, I will be listening. Bye.
5: Andrew Horn, who said, Kenton, enough. He said, it is not. Uh, it is not Dave's fault. It is primarily your fault for spending money. You didn't have you big idiot. Um, Yes, he is getting a bit silly now, isn't he? But, I mean, the thing is, it's kind of triggered a massive crisis for Kenton, hasn't it? Because he's now... Uh. He's now... It's made him sort of assess, what exactly have I done? You know, he's got a child he doesn't see. He's skint. He kind of relies on his wife for for sort of uh, motivation and business oomph and everything else. Uh, He doesn't own the place he lives. He doesn't... You know, he's... I, I, and, and then he looks at his uh, brother, younger brother, who's kind of lord of the manor, hero of the village, uh, pillar of the local community. And all Kenton does is muck around with a megaphone every time he gets a chance, you know.
2: So He's the court jester.
5: Yeah, that's yeah, he is. yeah. But, you know, uh, you reach a certain age and you think, w- w- what happens when everyone stops laughing, I guess. And uh, that's where he is at the minute.
2: Mm. There's an amazing uh, jester who was at the court of King Charles II When they weren't called jesters back then But he was spectacularly always taking the piss And I wish I remembered the details of his life story And a comedian, um, I forget which podcast it was andre something or another who once uh, a million moons ago actually sold him a big uh sheepskin coat but that's another story um he told it and he so tricked uh king charles ii he was forever just like tricking him and he liked him king charles ii and then just had enough and says you just like it's just like too much now too much too much and he banished him from court and and then he heard some months, uh, so like a couple of years after, then he died, and uh, so Charlie Boy turns up at, at his funeral, and everybody's all really solemn, and there's like a there's like a vicar and and all sorts. It's like he's, he's dead. He only leaped out of the... Uh, <laughs> leaped out of the comedy <laughs> you know.
5: Yeah, you see, that is exactly the kind of idiotic thing Kenton would do, isn't it? <laughs> Fake his own funeral. <laughs> Roll off. He's <sighs> the Boris Johnson of Ambridge.
2: I am going to have to find the name of, of this, uh, this character. Uh, because it's just a ridiculously funny story. He was actually incredibly intelligent, but just misdirected his intelligence was yeah. just playing pranks all the time, all the time. Uh, but anyway. Well, there's anyway. a lovely
5: story about people like Kenton, which mm. is um, a, uh, in, um, in Italy. Um, a man goes to see his doctor and says...
2: Is this a joke?
5: It's kind of an apocryphal story.
2: Oh, okay.
5: And says, um, "I am feeling." It's 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 told by by comedians everywhere. Um, he says, "I'm feeling. I'm just. Feel, I don't. Life's just flat. It's got no. It holds no charm for me anymore. I can't. I don't see why I'm getting up in the morning. I am just. You know. It's all just nothing." Mm. And uh, the doctor says to him. Right, well, yep, it sounds, you need taking out of yourself, I would suggest that you went to go and see uh, the great clown Grimaldi who is playing mm. in, in in the town at the moment. And the man says, I am the great clown Grimaldi. And that's absolutely where Kenton is. Aww. Poor Kent. But at the same time, get a grip. Stop blaming everyone else. You what?
2: You've really injected a real note Sorry. of pathos there. <laughs> I, did, I didn't know where that was going at all. I was, I was, I just. But you just really. I'm really like. It looked deep within myself. <laughs> now. now. <laughs> oh, thank you for that, Lisa. You really give me pause for thought. Hmm. hmm.
4: Oh,
5: I dare not look deep story. within myself. There's nothing there anymore. <laughs> <laughs> ah, talking of that pudding, that's next Oh okay. yes. And Andrew Horne also said um that uh he loved the bit with Linda and and Robert, the bit like you said the um you know it was excellent. Uh, yeah, he said um it's part of Robert's role is to stem Linda's excesses, mm-hmm. and you know he's normally there to kind of um uh, you know sort of catch her when she goes for Burton, but. Uh, it's lovely when it works the other way around. And she just got him and she understood and she wasn't going to say, you know, I do get fed up with that kind of, well, in our house, we call it silly daddy pig stuff. You know, Peppa Pig. I suppose it's a long time since you watched Peppa Pig. There's always, Mm. the, the father in Peppa Pig is always an absolute burke everything that he does goes wrong and the whole family joins together and goes Ha, oh, silly daddy pig and it's all lots of laughy 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 and you kind uh. of think you don't want children really to just think oh daddy's an idiot do you know what I mean It's and, and there is an element of that in the archers it's just like oh men aren't they silly oh. and that does get a bit grating for me anyway sometimes um,
2: well you know we talked about this about 50 podcasts ago, but the the trope in soap operas, because soap operas were primarily written... The, the target audience yeah. was women, was that, yeah. a, a crap. Yeah. You know, yeah. we talked about Coronation Street and, yeah, you know, Ina Sharples and, and yeah. you know, Hilda yeah. Ogden and whatever. But that was... You know, and arguably it's still the case, but yeah. definitely was 60s, 70s, 80s. Yeah. Men are just kind of bit stupid. Yeah,
5: and they're the, sort of the butt of the humour and all that mm.
4: kind
5: of thing. Um, but then yeah, you know, so, 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 I, so I quite liked the reversal of Silly Daddy Pig today, which uh, uh, last week, which was kind of um, Robert saying, no, this is, you know, this is not okay. This is something that is really important to me. And instead of laughing at him or trying to sort of, Uh, coerce him out of it without letting him know which is what Jennifer would do Mm. she went yes okay yeah no I get that no you're right
2: she did she did actually say that and and she got it and she says I need to support my partner yeah right in this yeah but didn't we as the listeners didn't we just say hmm you know two sad men really
5: um I don't think I did because once he explained it I got it really Mm. I think there is there is it's if sorry, I'm going to get very boring now. If you look at tribal societies, which is basically Ooh, yes, sort of okay. what we are
2: Anthropology. Anthropology. Go for it, okay. Anthropology
5: in right. Ambridge. There mm-hmm. is um when you hit sort of fifty. Is it like two
2: tribes go to war? No. Frankie goes to Hollywood?
5: No. When you hit fifty as a man in this mm. society, in it as a man in other in, in tribal culture... Do you remember that video? And it had Chernenko
2: and Reagan boxing each other. Yeah. <laughs> Do you remember, two tribes going war. Anyway, sorry.
5: But men of Ambridge. fifty are supposed to be, mm-hmm. you know, whether you like it or not sort of uh, in terms of tribal culture they're supposed to be in in, in most patriarchies anyway they're supposed to be the leader of the tribe they're the ones that people go to for information they know more than anybody else by the fact that they've been alive for longer now Mm. because culture is focused on the young they're redundant they don't have a role women are incredibly good at making networks, at finding things to keep them busy, make not keep them busy in a patronising way, but actually to be busy, they there is a lot more support for women when they hit the menopause than that because men don't have that demarcation really, um, and they kind of just slip into this role that is no longer there as the wise elder, and I can completely see why. Robert, particularly, has as his, you know, he doesn't have a, a sort of an important job in in, in inverted commas. It, you know, he needs to find that status from somewhere else. He needs to be good at something. And so much of his life is about just propping Lindy up and, you know, doing the flipping scenery and marching around with 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 lights and all that sort of thing, being told to shut up while they're rehearsing. And, you know, he wants something for himself that makes him feel successful, something he can do, something he can feel engaged in. And, uh, yeah, I think he explained that that beautifully. And actually, I didn't think you silly old sod. I did. I I sort of went, yeah, that's quite good, actually. And it was amazing that he has the kind of he had the kind of relationship with with Linda where he could just say, no, this is it. And, And and take that risk that she wouldn't laugh at him, that she would get it.
2: You might be onto something there, you know, about about the the, the um, lessening influence of uh, the over fifties. Because mm. remember, Sid used to manage uh, yeah. and uh, captain the cricket team. Yeah. Okay. And everybody's saying we need fresh blood. To be fair, they say that every summer well, we now need they're fresh all blood it
5: about Alistair.
2: Yes. Now Alistair's is now too old, isn't it? Yeah. He? Yeah. You know, and Tom. You know, it's all about Tom, and then uh, Johnny. Uh, there's etc. not much
5: middle ground. You kind of go from being, you know, the captain of in in sort of in in, in very wide terms. You go from for being the captain of the cricket team to Gr- Joe mm. Grundy. There's there's kind of you know, <laughs> Tom has segued, uh, uh Tony has segued from you know, uh, head of the farm to now old man propping up against a fence saying to 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 johnny you be careful now young one and you know giving him advice about girlfriends and things Mm. there aren't many that have kind of that are in that halfway house
2: you might have a point there i might need to go and revisit my thoughts on this but you might well be onto something there freeman Mm. hmm jolly good well done Alright, so have we have we done all the calls? We've done pudding, have we?
5: Uh, no, we have. We're going to do pudding now. Jeremy Oh, Pete. OK.
6: Mm. Right, yes. Hello, Dumpty Dum. Horse paintings. Sorry, I mean emergency puddings. Um, my mum used to make an emergency treacle pudding in the microwave with two ounces of butter or margarine, two ounces of sugar, two ounces of self-raising flour and an egg. Um, You put treacle in the bottom of a Pyrex dish, one of the rounded ones. Um, Plenty of treacle. Mix everything else up with a a whisk, shove it on top, Uh, cover it and put it in the microwave for about three and a half, four minutes. And you get a nice emergency treacle pud. And it's just as good as the ones that uh, Royfield used to boil for hours in the tin. Okay, bye!
5: See, now that sounds much nicer than you're boiling things up in a tin.
2: But you mean, mine? Like, I was the only person in Britain. No, my my, my you immigrant said. West Indian family <laughs> were the only ones that did this in the United <laughs> Kingdom. Mm.
5: But I think well, for you, it was all about the anticipation, wasn't it? Well, it was the fact that you had to wait for it. Yes. Knowing you, that's what would have annoyed you.
2: You know what I seem to remember is we seem to have those puddings whenever rising damp was on (laughs) really i just i have visions of the pot boiling the label coming up and rising damp but you know miss jones (laughs) i don't know why don't know why
5: maybe it was it was sort of psychological because when you steam a pudding it is kind of rising damp so i guess that's sort of
2: oh no i wouldn't i was i'd Way, well too simplistic to make that kind of leap, <laughs> leap. but um, no oh goodness yes oh I'll let up. me
5: do the emailers quickly okay you do um this is from john in ladprow bangkok good <clears throat> good morning from sunny bangkok thanks for your message i'm listening now to show number 56 on show 55, you refer to two other Johns as John number three. Now goddess Eve is accusing me, John number three, of being misogynistic when it was another John, four or five or something. Please, justice for Johns.
2: Mm-hmm. Best it was, wishes. It was John, John he, the fourth. No, the... He
5: ends, he ends. Best wishes, John Ladprow, Bangkok, not wishing, now wishing not to be toxic John three, but John 100 <laughs> or something. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Yes, sorry, sorry, Mister uh, Bangkok, uh, John. Um, my mistake. Uh, it was actually John the Fourth over in um, Minnesota, uh, the librarian, who who needed to take take the ire of um, of uh, goddess diva et and, and and I slipped up. So yeah. he took it in the neck, and actually <laughs> <You> <laughs> John the Fourth got off got top it. free.
5: Uh, and Cosmo. Mm. Uh, he is in Banff and he says I think Canada is absolutely wonderful I love it and the fabulous people here
2: Mm -hmm. Here, here Um,
5: has Ed checked his lease he might well find that he can sublet and the owner may not be able to refuse well yes he can but the owner can put the price up like massively which is what Mm. he has done Does anyone understand the law? Also, what use is Charlie if he is not discussing the rents for Graham Ryder? As a former commercial property landlord, my directors took the decision on rents not a property agent. Awful editing and lack of commercial knowledge. I see that Rob is behaving oddly. If he knows Ed has talked to David, he should tell Charlie. Why not? Ed has got extra work. Does Rob know something about the culvert he has not told Charlie? And if RB farming are any good, why is Charlie using Ed? After all, he was not impressed by Ed originally. I noted that my recent comment on Lillian must have been heard before I wrote it, as she was mentioned as being overstretched this week. Yes. And finally, can all birds in Ambridge fly away? Robert and his new camera lens was the final straw. <laughs> and Elizabeth Church uh, on emergency puddings. This mm. is lovely. I grew up on a dairy farm lots of lovely Guernsey cream and unlike the Archers we never had to go out and buy some our emergency pudding was mashed bananas and cream oh <gasps> that sounds so nice
2: mm. I didn't eat bananas from about the age of 8 to about the age of 28 you know why? Mm. we went on a trip to see the Cutty Sark and my mum as uh, you know do you know puts all your your sarnies in a little plastic tub and it got all hot and all my bananas mushed up, went soft and ran into my sarnies Mm. and I wasn't happy and I said, I hate bananas and I just took out that vendetta against bananas for seriously like 20 years and I remember I was forced to eat banoffee pie some friend of a girlfriend's friend we all went round there, and she made banoffee pie. And she said, do you, do you want some banoffee pie? I had no idea what banoffee pie was. And I wolfed it down. I mean, it tastes all right. It's a bit peculiar. It's, just, it's bananas. I was like, whoa, I don't eat bananas. I haven't eaten them since, since I went down to see the Cutty Sark. But then I said to myself, it's ridiculous, really, and I'll just eat them. Because I wasn't allergic to or anything. But that's my story about bananas. Roy, I'm really sorry, but I've now actually got to go and be sick. <laughs>
5: sorry i'm
6: sorry i'll
5: be back in two seconds i'm sorry fancy getting your mouth round something warm something comforting you can really get a firm grip on why not buy a dumpty dum
2: mug from the shop at dumptydum.com goes down lovely (laughs) Um, my name is Kate. My name's Jo. My name's Nicola.
5: My name is Suzanne Hakimi.
2: My name is Mary Parkinson. I'm in Hope House as a client. Um, I have had addiction issues. Um at Hope my House including an eating disorder. Um addiction, addiction, heroin, crack, um, addiction drink, to drugs, methadone alcohol. I'm here because it got really bad.
5: Hope House started off as an eight-bed unit in Maida Vale, and
2: we're an all-women unit. I had read an article about Hope House some months before, and when I read about it, what I read, or what I took away from the article, was that this was a place where women worked to help other women. Coming soon to iTunes,
7: One Thousand and One Conversations, a new podcast from Royfield Brown.
2: Now you're back. Yes. Why? the, Well, you've already taken five. I have. Mm. mm. So let's not have an ad break now, then. But let's okay. swiftly go down under. Let's hit Melbourne and uh, speak to Miss Bell about the last seven days on the world of the Book of Face.
7: Good day, everyone, Millie Bell here with our round, roundup of Facebook. Uh, there's a lot to get through today, so Roe, I feel, might have to do one of these clever edits. Uh, Judith Cook in the Artist Anonymous reminded us that the best line for the week was Jazza, three lentil bake, one lentil was more than enough. Shouts of laughter, she said, not good when trying to negotiate tricky roundabout in the rain. <laughs> Hattie Smithenup says, at the ball, said I know William will get bad press for that, but would you be groom at your ex wife's wedding, especially when you were the cuckold? Irrespective if he is your brother. Brilliant use of the word cuckold. Noreen Greenacre in Upstairs at the ball says, If Kenton keeps up this behaviour, I shall have to shut down the Kenton Archer Appreciation Society. Sad face. Francis Ball in Ambridge Addict said, I'm sorry, but did Joe just say he was going to scrap ferret fur off the butter and put it back in the fridge? I'm not sure whether the ferret was going back in the fridge or the butter. John Richardson in the Archer's anonymous in capital letters so we all know he's shouting says ah when will Kenton's family tell him to stop being such an ass? he is the architect of his own problems sorry to shout but it really is getting that bad he says Tim Green has a brilliant little post in Archer's appreciation he said he happened across this In 1955, the poet Philip Larkin wrote in a letter to Monica Jones, I lay in bed listening to the Archers. How dull it is. Wish I could have the writing of it for a week. Carol Gray would seduce Christine who would turn into a prostitute in an effort to atone for the lapse. Jack Archer would be run in for watering the beer. Walter Gabriel would be gored to death by a bull. Tom Forrest would be caught in one of his traps all night. Dr. Cavendish would appear in the news of the world as running a high-class come abortion clinic. The possibilities are endless. Now, I haven't been able to verify that code, but I hope it's real. Uh, Susan Haynes in Ambridge Addicts said, Two best remarks tonight. Joe, the Archer women are only happy with an extra man running after them. And Ed, he's a complete idiot and I hate him, but he is my brother. Uh, have a look uh, on the BBC... Dot uh, co UK blogs, The Archers, because Kerry Davis has put up a really interesting article uh, showing how he wrote those uh, Bullsitcher uh, folk songs. It is really interesting, especially if you're into lyric writing. Um, Sally Ann Russo in Upstairs at the ball said it's about time Jill went round to the ball spanked Kenton's bottom, and sat him on the naughty stack. <laughs> and I think I may be able to get through to the end of this. Um, so I'm now on to the ones on our Facebook page. Uh, we are about to redesign the website, which is very, very exciting, and we asked you if you had any suggestions. Valerie Bailey said, Agony Aunt page by Witherspoon and Angus Haggis, bios of Bro Ifield and Lucy B, and maybe pits of chloroenomas. What a great idea. Uh, Valerie Bayliss said, okay, how about Kenton's Corner where we can sound off about the things that annoy us and Susan's Saloon where we can gossip and speculate about everything else and it would be nice to do it away from Facebook. Witherspoon said, that the website is designed as a pub that we enter into. Lucy and Roe Ifield are behind the bar, kind of like Kenton and Jolene or Sam and Diane. Hey, it's Cheers and there's Frazier. I mean some other psychiatrist, sitting with Angus Haggis on his lap. Uh, But I have to say, the overwhelming request is for tea towels. (laughs) Oh dear. Doug Ford, we want tea towels. And then emergency puddings, I've got one minute. So, does coconut gelato smothered in fresh raspberries count as pudding? Yes, Jan A. Mitchell, it does. And Catherine Palgen, oh, this is Palgen or Bagen. Mouth trifle, it's a student special. Bite of a jammy dodger, swig of tinned custard, squirt of tinned cream, all directly administered into the p- mouth. No washing up required. Blah. Cameron Chalmers, Arctic roll or tin of cold rice pud. And d Leary, I think the most popular one was banana custard. My father's, when we were younger and we didn't have a lot of money, was to have Yorkshire pudding with golden syrup on. And there I must end because we're about to run out of time. <coughs>
2: thank you miss bell uh now lucy Mm -hmm. why don't you uh give us your thoughts musings opinions observations on the most spectacular tweets that were ever written in the last seven days that have the hashtag the archers whacked at the end
5: okay uh sophie said strong minds and iron bladders birding ain't for whiny bitches um uh, susan cassab said all this mention of this is about the ferret butter Mm. all this mention of ferret all this all this mention of butter that you wouldn't want to eat has made me think of last tango in paris um stick Stick bobble cart said Well, as long as Clary's happy, who gives a fuck? I mean, it's not like it's someone else's wedding or out. Um, Hugsy said, if you can't get your hands on a ferret, can a squirrel be substituted? Probably yes, I would say yes. Yes. Uh, The ghost of Scruff Snell said, I have started a mixtape for the reception. Friday night's all right for fighting is on. Any other contributions? (laughs) And tweet of the week was John Reed. Who said,
2: Oh, I like a bit of John Reed.
5: He said, Hello, Ed, would you like to unblock my culvert? Then Ed says, You've never married, have you, Charlie? (laughs) (laughs) (sighs) That's it.
2: Um, We haven't talked about Alistair and his brain befuddlement.
5: Random outpourings. I know. Well, it's either a sign of impending early dementia, but as I've already done a dementia storyline. Exactly. Mm. I think he's distracted because something's going horribly wrong somewhere. I.e., he's mm. going bankrupt, or he's gambling, or something.
2: He is massively <clears throat> not being present, isn't he? he yeah. is, there's something yeah. uh, very yeah. big going on, but it yeah. cannot be dementia. No. It can't be. Mm. No. Right. Uh, I, I think we're done. Okay. Which is which is good actually, because I can get back and have a uh, twenty minutes. More kip.
5: Yeah, and I can so. go back to the lavatory. Lovely. Oof. I know, I'm sorry. There's something I ate in 1974 that I haven't thrown up yet, so I need to go and do that.
2: So, if we're done, or nearest damn it done, almost quasi, semi, almost finishedly done, uh, we should talk about shop news. <laughs> which is your favourite bit of the show, at least. It is. I love it. I live for it. Do you? Yeah. Well, th- why don't you read the bit in red then?
5: Okay. Nothing to see here, folks. You've decided that you'd rather not buy stuff this week. Though, to be fair, there is a clamour on Facebook for tea towels. Yes, we have heard tea towels.
2: Yes. Um, dog Point, the old salty sea dog, is leading a dumpy dum listener uh, quorum, uh, you know, about tea towels. And everybody's lining up behind him saying, yes, tea towels. People, people are that indignant. They've been writing tea towels in caps on the book of face. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes, um, and I did actually look in the cafe press uh, store, and I got a sneaky feeling that they actually don't do tea towels. Though they do a great lining aprons, which isn't quite the same thing. But um, I did look, and I'm going to, I'm going uh, to keep looking. Okay. Right. So that's that's shop news. So, well done, dog, for uh, getting people riled up behind you for the tea towel clamour. Uh, reviews. Okay. One, two, three. Reviews, news, 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 news of reviews. reviews.
5: We have none.
2: So, and, and the galling thing here, here is, right, we're almost up to 200. And Lucy, mm. when was the last time you asked me about my 10 American Presidents podcast?
5: I can't remember, but I'm starting to feel really sick again, so can we whiz through this, bit? <laughs>
2: <laughs> right. Um, I've got loads of reviews on that. I've got like 50 in America. I've got like four, 40 in the UK. It's only been up a few months. I've got like six in Australia. I've even got one in Japan, right? And all we want to do is get up to 200 in the UK. That's all. And then I'll just never mention it again. Right. So that's that. iTunes. So <laughs> write some reviews, please. Thank you. Uh, remember... Oh, yes. Now, I love this bit. Remember the... uh, Remember... (laughs) I'm going to slow down and catch myself because otherwise I'll make a pig's ear. Now, folks, remember, you can be awarded the Order of John Archer by emailing us if your name is John and you'll be knighted John V.
5: Now, we are thinking, should we loosen things up here?
2: I think we should. Now, if you remember all the way back, Calvin Saxon on the Book of Face, he said... My
5: middle name is John. Does that
2: count? And then Jenny Allen, who has a little boy called John. Well, she said, you know, can he join the order of John Archer? I think the answer is yes. So we're going to loosen things up. So Kelvin Saxton, you are now officially John V. And then little Johnny, you're actually John the sixth. There you go. We're we'll things up. So Until you e-
5: change your name to Rich or something else completely, <laughs> just to confuse us.
2: <laughs> so that's the way we're doing things here. If you've got any tenuous, it doesn't matter how slight connection to a John, email us with a picture of that John or some kind of evidence. You're not just making it up, right? And you'll all bestow on you the order of John Archer and you will become John the 7th. There you go.
5: Um, so
2: okay oh, oh. so I uh, just so Jenny we need a little picture of your little cherub. You need to uh, send it to us and we'll whack it on our new website and we'll and uh, and we'll have and will have the title John the 6th. There you go.
5: And if you want to give us some money, you can go to patreon.com, search for Dumpty Dum and you can donate $2 a show, which is about 1 pound 30.
2: Mm. Pounds getting very strong at the moment. Which is a bit rubbish for us. Ah. You know, like global economics and stuff are having uh an adverse effect on the dum-de-dum coffers. What we need is a weakening pound because this uh this Patreon thing is all in dollars. Mm but anyway, I, I suppose uh we should we should thank uh, our, our new Tory government for that. Nice one. Nice one. Nice one Tory boys. But anyway, um this week We need to thank Morgan Johnson and Dee Leary, who joined the ranks of Those That Giveth. Because they joined Patreon, and that's kind of great. Now, if you want to donate, if you're just fed up with buying stuff, you're laden down with all all your dumby dum swag, and you've already done the Patreon thing, and you just think, oh, I've got more money than cents, what you can do is just donate. And, uh, and just like, just randomly give us any sum of money uh, because that's a nice thing to do. And it will just kind of help us. And uh, you can just go to dummdydum.com and hit that donate button. Uh, now, remember, you can also send us a voice message via uh, the site. Now, not many of you done it. Not many of you did it last week. And uh, kind of do it next week. That'd be kind of quite nice because we like your calls and then we like talking about them and fitting a show around them. And you can do that by ringing 203 from your phone. And then it'll just leave us a message. Um, if you haven't like clicked the voice message thing on the website, I did that all asked about tit, But if you listen to 58, 57 episodes of the show beforehand, you know what I'm saying. So go onto the site, hit the red button, leave a message. If not, dial that number. You can also send us a regular kind of email via the said same site, which is dumptydum.com or you can tweet me at Royfield on the Twitters.
5: Me at Lucy V Freeman.
2: Ooh. or the both of us at Dumpty Dum. So please, please, please keep those reviews coming because you want to be top of the podcast charts before Caroline and Oliver go to Ajean Provocateur for Clary's wedding outfit. And Lucy now needs to sort herself out. So we're going to say goodbye. It's been a short but sweet Dumpty Bye. Bye-bye. Go and sort yourself out.
5: Oh, thank you. All right, see you later. Bye.
0: Bye. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen.